Live from Portland and from Relay FM, this is episode 54 of Upgrade. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at lindo.com, stamps.com, Fracture, and FanDuel. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined in person to my left by Mr. Jason Snell. I am leftmost. Hello. Hello. And we have Stephen Hackett's back again. I was told this was clockwise. Is this not clockwise? <laughs> it's a totally different show. Thank you so much for filling in for me. I enjoyed, I enjoyed listening to the episode very much. Good. It was a lot of fun to do it. You were uh, on a plane. I think I just got off my first right. flight. I was in Canada at the time. Uh, and I saw the little notification that you were going live, and it made me very happy. And I listened to it back later on. And as I watched the Apple event when I arrived in Portland, um, just sat for a few hours, watched the video. So, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of caught up. But we're having a good time here in XOXO. Right? Yeah. Yeah, this is like a... Uh it's like half upgrade, half connected. It's weird. Yeah, we're strange. mixing it all up. But I thought we'd just talk about some of the Apple stuff. I've got some thoughts that I want to share that obviously I haven't been able to share yet, mm-hmm. so I'm excited to do those. Uh, Mike was right and continues <laughs> to be right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to go through that a bit today, I think, and maybe talk about XOXO a little bit. But first, I want to start off with a little story, Jason, uh, about what happens <laughs> if, you have a, over. if you have a very, very light computer. Would you like to tell the world what happens if you own an 11-inch MacBook Air? Uh, so I'm, I'm driving to the airport to come up here on Thursday, and I'm listening to the Accidental Tech Podcast, a podcast about technology you may be familiar with. And at one point, Marco says, you know, I'd rather have an 11-inch MacBook Air than an iPad Pro. And I, and I suddenly go, <gasps> and ha- have this moment of like, I don't think I brought my laptop with me. I think it's still charging for the flight at home. And I, I rip open my bag and stick my hand in the little spot where the, where the, where the laptop goes. There's nothing there. And where were you at this point? Uh, Oakland. I was halfway to the Oakland airport. I was at the the junction of the 880 and 980 freeways in traffic. So I had about two minutes to sit in traffic before I would turn around to decide if I wanted to go to Portland without my laptop. When I have a couple podcasts I need to edit and I don't have those files with me without the laptop or whether I just want to turn around. And I decided... Um, that although there were interesting things to see here, the real big meat of the conference didn't start until Friday. And spending another day at home when I've got a lot of work to do is, you know, I, I could I could do that. And so I turned around and I went home because there's no way I could go back home and and uh, and get the laptop and then come back and, get, and make my flight. That wasn't I left myself time, but I didn't leave myself enough time to go to the airport and back twice. Which John Syracuse told me is how he lives his life. Yep. Is you got you got to be able to just expect to to turn around at the airport and go back home again, do a lap. You need a packing list, my friend. You know, I I I've never done this before, and um, honestly, the reason I did it, it, I did it out of sequence because I was concerned that I wasn't going to have the files and I was going to forget. So it was actually, it was actually in a place that it isn't normally specifically because I was trying to. Be sure I didn't forget it. <laughs> it seemed to have worked really well. Yeah, yeah. It's a great system. I'm going to go back to my old system now. A, you, you already got a fail-safe system going on there, Jason. I'm going to go back to my old system. So, But, uh, you know, the, the, I'm on a winning streak now because the next day I flew to Portland and I had all my stuff with me. So Excellent. Yeah. Jason, was it you years ago when the uh, the MacBook Air first came out talking about losing it in a stack of magazines? That was not me. Was it, it was someone. Uh, that was, was an article. Da- that was, was it David Pogue who Maybe. recycled his MacBook Air? I yeah, that's what it was. 
It was David Pogue, or maybe it was Stephen Levy. It was it was a guy I think of as a New York guy, and they got the Sunday New York Times, and they recycled it, and the, they they recycled the MacBook Air with it. Which is um, that's an awkward <laughs> call to Apple PR. It is recyclable aluminum, but it's um, true. non-BVC. Yeah, I'm sure that they. Uh, yeah, that was a great call to Apple PR. I lost. I think I may have put it in the, with the Sunday Times. So not, yeah, I, not good. Yeah. So I, I I got here. I got here good. a day late. And uh, a dollar short. With your lovely little Mac. Yeah, and I got it. It's here. I, I actually didn't need to bring it as badly because I, I did a lot of that podcast editing work on Thursday night <laughs> when I had nothing else to do. So. so we're at that time of year, the great time of year, where we have an abundance of news. Uh, it's even more so because last week, obviously, Apple announced everything. Every, all the things. 100% of everything. Mm-hmm. All the great things. Except so, for the Mac. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the event and further just put a point on why I think I was right about the iPads. <laughs> oh, yes. Tell me more. So, obviously, the the whole thing being, I said that I believed that they would put iPads in the iPhone event so they could promote the iPad with the world watching. Right, That was mm-hmm. my original thought. And after watching the event, uh, I think that they that Apple really made a point of this because they put the iPhones at the end this time. They were making people wait. That's my theory. Sure is that they wanted people to see the iPad, they wanted them to see the Apple TV, so they put the iPhones right at the end of the event. I think they always do that. I mean, because it well, is... Well, last year, it, it the watch the event capper. was first. Uh, because of the watch. Because right. of the watch. I think usually the iPhone goes last because right. it's, the big, it's the big thing, but they wanted the watch to be bigger. But I, I actually think, uh, considering the way that Apple works now over the last couple of years, and they are a Q4 company. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right? So seasonal. It's, I think having just one event... You set up the entire lineup of products for mm-hmm. the holiday season, and just let it go. I, I think that, that I think it's a smart move. For me, it works. I, I like it. You just do it all in one go. Everybody knows what's there. You say we've got things coming out in September, October, November, and then just mm-hmm. let it run. I can see that. Uh, um, the second event is never going to be as effective as no. the first event. No. Uh, and just from a logistic, I know we can talk about the Apple's so big and they've got so much money. But the fact is, it's a distraction to, I talk to, when I talk to like Apple PR people and other people who work at Apple about it, it's like, these events are insane. Like yeah. they, they like, kind of must tore be all consuming for these people. My, my understanding is like the seats in the venue and everything were installed by Apple. Like it, yeah. they, they, they took that, they took that venue in San Francisco for a couple of weeks and built the set essentially for their presentation. Uh, you know, yes, they could do a second smaller presentation in something like town hall, on campus, but, um, you know, they still have to plan it and invite people and do all of that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and that there is a cost to that and it is a distraction. And, um, you know, so I, I can see from that perspective why Apple would maybe want to also Apple can, Apple can call journalists for briefings and can do press releases and can do video releases and things. Apple can release a product without an event if it yeah. wants to. So it's not like it has to have an event. If there are new Macs to drop, they don't need an event for that. They can do that and still get publicity for it. Right. And, uh, you know, talking about the going into this venue and spending all this time and money, you know, Campus 2 has a huge underground auditorium planned. And so you can't help but think that um, a lot of that has to do with this amount of work, where if they have a space that they control yep. completely mm-hmm. and it's exactly the way they want it. Right. They'll and just invite the everybody hole. there. Yeah. It's, and, well, and yeah. they can... They can 
they can have it. They can run practices on it. Yeah. Yep. And no it's, one knows. Like, you, you know, it, you know, there's always that game of like websites try to figure out where Apple is booked in San yeah. Francisco. And which I love um, this year because they actually showed that uh, document that went through the San Francisco city government that showed a star or yeah. square will be placed here. It's yeah. Like, That's an Apple logo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think, I think once campus two is up and running, some of that headache would go away. Yeah. Um, you know, it's gonna make a longer trip for you, though. Yeah, that's fine. They have. I, I understand they have plenty of parking down there. Yeah. So it'll be. You know, I, it's just one of those things. Too, Apple over the years, their events have gotten um, bigger and and sort of more involved. You know, of course, they don't do the thing. I love when you watch the old keynotes where like an iMac comes out on a moving podium. Like it like spins around. Yeah, or they used to do that where someone would, they would always be like a podium by the side of the stage, and they'd go and just take the little cloth off. But right. now, like Tim seems to his way is to come from side of stage Holding with the it. product over his head. Well, it used to be heavier. You can't hold an iMac yeah. G three above your head. You'd be crushed to death. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's Tim's thing. I quite like it. He kind of just like saunters across the stage, like. With the thing above his head. And I smiling like because that. he yep. knows that all the all the news photographers are taking the pictures, and yep. those are the pictures that'll be with all the stories about He understands it. that stuff. Yep. Like, saying That's about that, he's going to be on, um, whose show is it? Stephen Colbert. Colbert. That's crazy, right? Well, I mean, Stephen Colbert was in an Apple event in the Apple watch yeah. event. Was yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> trade-off. You know? Right? So, yeah. so, no, I think that's, I mean, one of the things, not to... Uh, get too deep down in in TV stuff. You can listen to my TV Talk Machine podcast yeah. for more about that. Um, plug uh, Colbert is an, is doing some interesting things in terms of. I mean, he's obviously he likes tech stuff. He likes Apple stuff, um, but he's trying to get an interesting mix of guests on his show. He doesn't want it to just be like movie actors. Yeah, and so he's had politicians on, and he had Elon Musk on. Yep, uh, and he's going to have Tim Cook on, and I think that's all good. So. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see that and how Apple plays the CEO of Apple on a late night talk show yeah. thing. This is one of those things where like, I'm not going to be able to watch that easily. And this is that frustrating thing that I always find. Right, because you'll be like geo blocked from yep. watching. It's like, you know, that, that, now I have to like wait for the YouTube stuff and then I can maybe try and find it. But it's, it's just one of those examples. It's like, just let me watch it. Yeah. Here's five pounds I will give you. Just let me watch this one episode. I, I don't understand why. Um, Shows that are that don't sell. I mean, some late night shows from America air in Britain. Yeah, I don't but, think Colbert does. Yeah, so if 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 you don't, then there should be a worldwide something or other. Just let you me should, give you yeah. some money. Yeah, like I don't know. It, just here's the money. Yeah, show me the ads. Whatever. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> but hey, for the American products, you can't buy. <laughs> Can we go back to the iPad Pro a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, I haven't had any way to. So this is essentially this, yeah. our second upgrade in less than a week because yeah. we did right. the episode on Wednesday, you and I, yes. Stephen, pointing I, at Stephen. It's good podcasting. Nobody can <laughs> see it. And um, and now we're doing one yeah. recording on Sunday. So it's 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 more. This is more like if there ever there was a week to do this, this is it. Yeah, right? we've we've had a little more time to think about it now. Mike's just been podcasting by himself in his hotel room. Yeah. He's just like it's very sad. Talk, <laughs> he's like talking to the hotel clerk. Like, what do you think about the Apple pencil? <laughs> he's just he's holding the 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 hair dryer and yeah. talking into it like it's a microphone. What do you like to be known for? <laughs> so I like the I like the look of the iPad Pro. I think it's. Uh, I think it's an interesting product. I'm still trying to understand a little bit about why it exists. I think Apple did a really good job of bringing the companies that they needed on stage. Because I think, me, remember, me and you were talking about why, uh, what was it when we were saying Adobe should be there? I think it was at the last event. 
Um, oh yeah, where well, they, they did the uh, the metal stuff metal. and, and yeah. they did game demos and they didn't bring up Adobe. And so Adobe were there. They did a, a great demo. I mean, there was well, some questionable stuff about some uh, of the content in it, yeah. but the applications themselves. Yeah, speaking very a creative good. professionals working on the iPad was yeah, everything was everything was right about it except the detail. Yeah. The, One the, the, of, the example they gave was yeah, really that awful. Was just, yeah, just ridiculous. One of those just complete down. oversights where it's like, this seems like Although, a great idea, but they just <laughs> absolutely screwed it up. I, I thought it was fitting in the sense that, um, just as a, a brief tangent on what we're talking about, is they have this plugin that makes... Uh, they, they made a, a woman a model smile more and that that plays into all those sort of like women often are told like even walking down the street you should smile honey and things yeah. like that and it's really offensive to a lot of women that this is reinforcing that but i also looked at that and thought well this is photoshop right i mean photoshop is all about what it does. unrealistic yeah. images of everybody that's what yep. photoshop is but if we get behind, beside the details of it it was a crea- it was like an old school mac kind of thing it was a creative professional like we're going to do a mock up layout yep. and we're going to edit these images and it's all happening on the ipad and that was um, that was an intentional and I think smart thing to be like, hey, remember Adobe and Microsoft? These these giants of uh, office and creative work on your computer. Here they are on the iPad Pro. Yep. So one of the things that I liked with what they were doing with the apps is like it, it seemed like the guy was he was editing an image in one app in the, with the split screen on the iPad, and he was able to just make it appear in the other app, like it was using like some sort of shared file architecture maybe it's iCloud maybe it's something yeah, else it might be iCloud. but I just liked that it was these two apps were talking to each other whilst next to each other like that and it's like seeing stuff like that looked really great like the when Microsoft was showing off I think it was Excel and PowerPoint and they were like taking a table and you move it into the other one and it, it really felt like a, a great way to use these kind of split screen applications although it did it point out that um, the uh, the, like drag and drop doesn't exist in iOS no. 9. Right, right. Developers have to, <laughs> if you're using two Adobe apps, especially Microsoft apps, you are using things that they have built. It's not like the, the Microsoft demo a couple years ago where you can like bring things and it, it's context aware and content aware where you can pick an image up and move it over. You still have to jump through iOS's janky file sharing stuff yeah, so, to do it. So what Microsoft did, they didn't even do file sharing. What Microsoft did was say, look, you can make a chart in Excel and put it in Word, and they did copy and paste, yeah. which works. But again, it's like, why did you do copy and paste and not drag and drop? The answer is we don't have drag, drag and drop in right. iOS. It doesn't, it's yeah. like, I feel like we just have split screen now. Give I us feel time. like that's next time. I, right? I, think, I think you're right. I think this is, a lot of my feelings about the multitasking features in iOS 9 are, um, you know, it's a first go, and that presumably they will keep going with it. I kind of wish they had started on this road two years ago. But, Agreed. You know, I mean, here, yeah, here the understanding are. is they've been trying to do this for a long time. Yeah, because and, it seems like you know, for the last couple of years, this has kept coming up. And you have to have more RAM in your products too. So for for, for them to do this sooner, they would have had to put two gigs of RAM in in the iPad Air one. Let's they, say. Yeah, it would have been. It would have to. They would have have to have made a much bigger jump. Yes, than what they did yeah. in a much much shorter period yeah. of time. So, so some of this is constrained by the technology, and it's not Apple. It's not just Apple, um, kind of not paying attention to productivity in iOS. Although I think it is that too. But I think some of it is the devices just weren't powerful enough to do this stuff before. Yep. So, like, just the device itself is interesting to me. The stereo speakers, the accessory port, mm. all of this stuff is like a. It, it feels like a departure from what we know an iOS device to be. There's, there is some stuff in the iPad Pro which is like, this is a definitely in-between device now. 
because they're like they're opening it up in different ways. They worked with Logitech in the background, and Logitech have made a keyboard as well. Yeah. It's unclear to me whether that Apple keyboard is actually made by Logitech. Um, well, they're saying that they're using those new keycaps, so it feels like an Apple one. I don't know, or it's or is it a collaboration? I don't. I don't okay. know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, we, we may never know. But uh, but the fact that Logitech is there day one with their own like bigger. It's like an actual plastic thicker, moving keyboard rather than the like semi-membrane keyboard that yeah, Apple made. Fabric, yeah. basically, is being used in that. No, it's. Uh, I think it's a good question about whether this is an oddball product that it's like only on the iPad Pro or what seems to be, I think, more likely, which is an iPad Air 3 next year will come towards would, that. would have that accessory port... And, you know, yeah, it would seem a little bit more, pick up some of these features of the of the top of the line iPad. I feel like what we're going to see now is in the way that the air trickles down to the mini, the Pro will trickle down to the air. Yeah. And then it just goes that way. So the Pro keeps moving forward. Right. Then the air picks up some of those so features. So in, in, in nine mini. years, the iPad mini will get it. <laughs> but what, well, I think one of the things that we'll see now uh, is that the iPads get revved every two years i think i think that's right i mean the mini is now caught up with the air 2 but the air 2 didn't get an update this year and, so it will be next year right and if you look at we've all talked about this right the ipad upgrade cycle problem where some people buy them every year but the vast majority of people go two three four years even i mean how many ipad twos are still running around yeah. and so if, if you're apple why invest and put the R&D, put the engineering in to upgrade every product every year, why not go to a more Mac-like schedule where something like an iMac or a MacBook Air that gets they sell more of gets upgraded more frequently than a Mac Mini or a Mac Pro? Right. It just makes sense to apply that sort of logic to the iPad yep. at this point. Right. There'll all be, there will always be new iPads every year, but not all the iPads will be new. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, th- I, think, I think that's fine. I mean, I think it's... If we're moving into a world where the iPad is more of a general computing device, um, it's it's not something most people are going to upgrade every year. Clearly, that's already the case. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. And so, why you know why not adjust to that? Now, I want I want to talk about my dream of the iPad Pro. So, but, lay down on the couch over there, Mike, and, and I'll tell me about, about your dream. It. Before though, I want to talk about Linda. Com. Excellent. They are helping bring this episode to you from Portland straight into your ears. Lynda.com is the online learning platform that has over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. You can get yourself a free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash upgrade. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash upgrade. Lynda.com is for people that have problems that they want to solve. It's for people that want to learn new stuff. Maybe there is a skill or an app or a task or some sort of process that you've been churning on for a while and thinking, this is something that I would like to pick up. Maybe you're interested in a bit of photography stuff. Maybe there's some stuff that you want to learn for work. You know, we're talking about office products. Maybe you want to learn a bit more about Excel, finally understand what a pivot table does and how to use one. Um, maybe you want to, you have a small business or you're trying to make your taxes stuff a bit better and you want to go paperless. Linda.com has courses on all of this stuff. You can learn negotiation tactics, build a website, Photoshop, you can learn how to build iOS apps, Android apps, you can learn how to use IFTTT better, you can learn absolutely 
everything. And all of these videos are taught by top experts who are super passionate about teaching and who are there to really break these courses down so you can watch them from start to finish, you can watch them in any order you like, or just in little bite-sized chunks just to get that little nugget of information that you've been looking for. You can watch these videos wherever you want as well. You can watch them in your web browser and follow along with the great transcripts that lynda.com make, or you can also watch and download these courses to your Android and iOS device. Like, we're all taking trips, we're all flying around at the moment. We could put lynda.com courses on our iPad and learn a bit more about logic or something like that. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, go ahead and visit lynda.com slash upgrade. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash upgrade and sign up for your free 10-day trial. Thank you so much, lynda.com, for supporting this show and Relay FM. So I'm about a year in now to being full-time and using all of my own devices to do all of my own yeah. work, right? So right, th- right there with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but I now feel like I am at a point where I know how I use my devices and I'm thinking about making some changes. Like I want, sometimes when I throw my Mac Pro out the window, uh, so I'm thinking about when the iMacs get revved, um, I may be getting myself one of the new ones, one of the Retina guys, because uh, my kind of setup has changed to the point now where I think that makes a little bit more sense for me. Um, so what I have been finding recently is I'm now moving more to using the desktop machine at home. So previously the Mac pro was just a production machine, but I got a nice new monitor for it. I like having a really large monitor now, which is why I think the iMac might be a great addition. So now at home, when I'm working, I'm just using the Mac pro. I'm using it for all recording. I'm using it for most of my work now. So the MacBook that I have uh, is basically only being used when I'm not at home. It's like when I'm here or when I kind of work somewhere. So I'm I'm thinking about what could the iPad Pro bring to this setup? Could it be that I use the an iMac and an iPad Pro? And then the MacBook is something that lives in a cupboard that only comes with me on trips if I need to edit a podcast or something like that. Or maybe there's a world in which someone will actually make a really good audio editor for the iPad. So if I'm, all I'm doing most of the time when I take these trips is editing a show. So if that sort of stuff could exist, I'm wondering, like, is this a potential product that could be really good for me? I think, you know, I am a pen guy. I'm a pencil guy. I like to take notes, handwritten notes. I'm really interested to see how the Apple Pencil, not a good name. No. Uh, they should have called it the Apple Pen. I don't know why they thought Pencil was better than Pen. Uh it doesn't make sense to me. It's too long. It's too many syllables, in my opinion. Apple Pen could have been fine. I don't know why it's an Apple Pencil. Uh, I mean, it's the shape of a pencil, but pencils and pens look this. Anyway. Hashtag Mike was wrong. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> but that product is very interesting to me. I think Apple may have made some interesting decisions. Like, there isn't a way to store it in any way. Right. Like that, that that little case should have something you can just slide it into, or a little magnet place that it yeah. magically clips yeah. onto, right. or something. I don't know why it's just this thing that will float around and inevitably get lost. My other issue with the iPad Pro is the cost of the accessories and the fact that neither of them are included. Yeah, I think that that is a frustrating thing. Welcome to being an Apple customer, oh, but they're expensive as well. <laughs> no, they, they are. I mean, if you even if you do the base iPad Pro, you're spending was it ninety nine dollars with the pencil and one hundred and sixty nine for the keyboard. Yeah. I mean, you've laid out another good chunk of change, and 
To be fair, the Microsoft Surface keyboard is a hundred and yeah, it's similar. 20, and and third party, so. I just reviewed a bunch of third party iPad Air keyboards, and they they all cost say sixty to one hundred twenty dollars. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I know that this is how it always is, sure. but it's like because the iPad Pro is so expensive to begin with, it would be nice to have a keyboard. Right, <laughs> it's like the cost of a laptop, but you yeah. don't have to buy the laptop keyboard extra. Exactly, like you don't uh, <laughs> pay for a trackpad. I would love a trackpad. Okay, give us an extra fifty dollars, and we'll put a trackpad on your MacBook. Like that's <laughs> not what happens. And I feel like, considering the amount that Apple seem to be like, these go together. We built a whole new port for it. Like, come on, just throw it in. Yeah, I do wonder, and I don't know if we'll ever see this data from Apple or from you know people uh, who look at this sort of thing professionally but i do wonder what the adoption rate is going to be of the pencil and the keyboard are people going to buy an ipad pro because it's a bigger ipad are they going to buy it with the pencil my guess is that the pencil will be more uh more successful than the keyboard not only because of price but sort of what you could do with it you You can't do what you can do with the pencil with anything else right but you can type on an ipad yeah, the virtual or you keyboard. can, or you yes. can, and it's and it's full size. Yeah, yeah, and it's got so, Bluetooth key. You can do Bluetooth keyboards if yes. you don't like the Apple one. You can do something else. By the Logitech one, you can do you have lo- yeah. lots of options. I, use, I mean, I use the Apple aluminum Bluetooth keyboard with my iPad. I have Me a too. Stand and I pair it because I'm really fast on that keyboard. Something else about the pencil, uh, Mike. You were talking about uh, like there's no place to store it and all that. One of the other interesting things that that I noticed is that it doesn't have an eraser. Because instead, the top is the cap with the lightning yeah. under it, which is, is also true? a weird choice. It's a weird choice. Man, my understanding is it doesn't... So I'm sure in the demo, one of the people used the other end. Are you sure? I, because I you, remember you, that's where the cap it. is for the... You could, they could still make that... All right, maybe. Because all it needs to do is just recognize it's a different... As a different... Uh, shape yeah because maybe it does then i don't i I don't know that i know it's weird what my point larger point was it's interesting that this is a a device with a male lightning connector on it because sticking the good thing is it means you can just stick it into the female lightning uh port on the uh ipad pro and and it charges like break it off this is my problem i don't think that that is a i understand that the why the reason that they're doing that because you can plug it in and it's always there but how do you charge it long periods of time? Put your iPad down, and then the pencil just sticks out the side. Yeah, well, that, that's the that's the mystery of that I have is you know is there a special charger for it or a special cable for it or something, or are you just right. expected to just lay your iPad down and stick yeah. it in? I mean, and if they had a little stand that had a you know a female lightning port, and you could just sit it down on top of it, like when you're done with the workday and who's waiting for you when you get back. But if you're going to charge it overnight, you can't charge the iPad and the pencil at the same time unless Apple makes something else. It it just seems like an odd choice. And it does seem, to your point, Mike, like I would be nervous about breaking that thing off. That's going to, so many people are going to end up with um, lightning connectors stuck in, like snapped off and stuck in. (sighs) Looking at the site, I don't think it does have an eraser. I think you're right. Um, But this is kind of what I was looking for. Uh, yeah, weirdly, I, need the pen, I need the pen uh, take here, pen user's take. Well, to, I mean, so... I don't have that. <laughs> the the key thing that Apple have done, which is exactly what we know, anybody that's used this stuff, they, we know they needed to do, was to do something about the touchscreen, mm-hmm. which is exactly what they've done. Um, so in, they didn't add pressure sensitivity, but they increased mm-hmm. the 
refresh, which means that it's very low latency. And right. then, the, and then, like all of these other uh, iPad pen manufacturers, they put all the pressure sensitivity in the in pen, in the pen itself, which is Soul. pencil. Because yeah. I think Wacom make one like this, um, where you you put a receiver into the into the iPad currently, and it connects with Bluetooth, and it can do what exactly mm. what this does. But obviously, Apple can build it in, and it's it's right. much more elegant. I so I'm gonna take the plunge with the iPad Pro, and my my plan is to go all, all they needed in. To, all they needed to do was was put Give a pen a on pencil. it. You got to put a pen <laughs> on it. That's what they say in Portland. Uh, but I am still unconvinced if I will keep it. That's my ah. I because I don't know if this is the product that I want, but. I feel like considering the way that I am and like, you know, with the, with the, especially with the pencil and the digital input like that, I feel like I, I really want to understand uh, how this product could work for a non-artist. Mm. This is so obvious for an artist, but what is the use of this to the average consumer? I, I'm, I'm, the iPad Pro is a really interesting product because it is heralding something that I don't think currently exists, which mm. is people doing a lot of work on the iPad. There are outliers. We all know one of them. Yes. But it really isn't a device that's built for many people to do their work easily. Federico has got it to the point where he can do his work easily, but it took an incredible amount of work that, for that's, him to get there. That, and it's the difference between... Can you get work done on the iPad? And will anybody want to put in the effort to get work yeah. done on the iPad? Or can it be effortless? Because his situation was he had no choice. Everybody knows the story. So mm-hmm. he did it. And, it, and you know, knowing him, how I do and how, how he works, he couldn't do the type of stuff that he does on a Mac now. He couldn't do it in the same way. And it would be more difficult for him because this is the product that he uses. So I wonder, like, you know, I've started to use my iPad Air a lot more these days mm-hmm. and, and i wonder how much work could i get done on a product like this because i've looked at the surface for a long time and thought that is a form factor that is incredibly interesting to me this like it is a tablet but you can connect some stuff to it and the, the great thing about what microsoft does you know for their sins at times you can do everything on it yeah that this is i wrote a piece um uh, for the my my like explaining Apple to Windows IT people column that I do on the Windows Super site um, about this and and you know the knock on the surface and I think it's accurate is it is a compromised vision because it is both it's better now than than it was with Windows eight you know Windows ten makes this better but um, it's a tablet when it's a tablet and it's a PC when it's not. And so if you want to, you know, bring a keyboard and a, and a mouse, you can make it into a PC. Um, and so it's neither, it's both. It's, it's Apple went the other direction where it's like the Mac is the Mac and the iPad is the iPad, which is great. Um, and so you can say the surface is kind of a compromised, you know, hybrid product at the same time. If you need, if you want to take an iPad, but there's some things you, you have to do on a Mac, the compromise there is you have to bring both. That's still a compromise. It's just a different kind of compromise. And in the long run, I think Apple will be seen to have made the right decision to not retrofit Mac OS for a tablet. I agree with that. But in the short run, what it does is make us notice that iOS is not up to 
everything that probably it needs to be able to do yet because it's a it's a young operating system yeah. but it's just it's still not there yet and not that it can't be coaxed and not that people like federico can can they can prove that work can be done there but it's all a little too hard and apple hasn't helped until this year apple hasn't tried to make it any easier they still did not show first party software at this event i was expecting a pro app that they have not given us. Yeah, well, it's interesting that they went to that. That you know, the original iPad was launched with uh, iWork. Yep. yep. And here they brought Microsoft and Adobe on stage, which was great. I mean, which, that, it's a victory lap in a sense, did, right? Yep. Which is, look who's here. We don't need to even make our own software now yep. for this platform because look who's here. Like Microsoft doing what they what they're doing with Office. It's like they're putting a nail in their own coffin. But this is new Microsoft. <sighs> yeah. Right. Because. The, the the surface is still struggling with office my understanding is like the windows 10 office still isn't out yet i think i could I think be wrong with that it's supposed to be out by the end of like, the year but yeah I, yeah but these new versions of office on the ipad will be out in a couple of months well and office on the ipad right now i, I wrote a huge chunk of my ios 9 review on an ipad air with an external keyboard the apple bluetooth keyboard in microsoft word and it was really good. <laughs> it is it's good. amazing. Well, I mean, recently as well, uh, Google Docs has gotten even better on the iOS. Uh, they have added this, uh, like a, a, a shortcut bar above the keyboard, right. which is contextually aware. It's fantastic. But I still believe that Apple need to put their money where their mouth is and signal a change. So there should have been, like they showed iMovie on this thing. Right, but not that Final is Cut. Not, that's, not the, that's not it. That's not the Pro app. Right. It's a watered-down version of the consumer app. The, the iPad Pro has no Apple Pro app, and, and I'm a little disappointed that they didn't do anything because mm. that, that was what I was expecting. I think other people were as well because the iPad had a real kind of coming-of-age moment with iLife. You know, GarageBand on the iPad was like people like, I understand what this is all about now. Like, this is amazing. It was like this big thing. But now we're in this scenario where I really, really wish they would have shown something uh, which showed that why they believe this is a pro product themselves. But they, I haven't they seen didn't, that yet. No. Well, I mean, there, there may be time for something like that in November. And they, they may, since this is not shipping, that's the other funny thing about this event. It's not happening. Uh, you know, this stuff is way out there. November, way out there. So we may hear more about that. But yeah, I have my doubts that we'll be seeing Logic or, or Final Cut for, right. for iPad Pro. But wouldn't that be something? It'd be um, great. I mean, that would, that's a, well, like a, a big kind of stake to put out. A lot of my functionality problems, like you were talking about like pro-level editing on uh, audio editing on an iPad. And I have, uh, I think it's Aurea, which is actually, you can edit, you can do what we do. It, it, the big problem is it's slow because it's all the touch interface. Um, and so with this keyboard, right, which is not guaranteed, but it's often there, it makes me wonder, um, if that's one of the solutions is, you know, don't just make an, an editor that's got a good touch interface, make an editor that also becomes incredibly fast when you add a keyboard keyboard. shortcuts. And iOS 9 is so much, (laughs) iOS 9 is so much better at keyboard shortcuts. So there's hope there. It's all seriousness that the idea, the thought of being able to use an audio editing program with a keyboard and the precision of the pencil to select areas, 
it would be incredible. And and my hope is someone will make it. Yeah. Right? Wouldn't it be nice if that was Apple, but it doesn't have to be Apple. It doesn't have to be, yeah. but it would have been nice if they did it. <laughs> well, and I wonder too if if maybe this isn't Apple's hang up, but looking at the third party developers, I mean there is a ongoing concern about the race at the bottom and iPad software in general doesn't sell very well compared to iPhone software. But I wonder as well if you're if you're gonna make that that podcast editing app and you're out there and you're thinking about doing it and you want to rely on things like the pencil and the keyboard being present, I don't believe there's, who, there's how many audi- what's your audience well, at that point? Well past that, I don't even think there's a way to target just the iPad Pro in the app store. You still have to deal with how do I get this out there and how do I keep somebody with an iPad mini two yeah. from buying this thing yeah. because Apple has not given developers the tools in the app store at that layer to even say to mark an app as this is a pro app. You're going to need this system requirements like you can on the Mac. And that so, may happen. That may have to happen. And, it, and I think, I think it does need to happen, but it's because there, I think there should be a class because what, what you said it made immediately made me think there should be a class of apps that are, that really require an iPad Pro and that right. cost a lot of money. Right. And that and you say, what's the market for that? And the answer is it doesn't need to be a big market. Mm-hmm. If if you can get an audience that that like everybody in that industry knows that this is what you do. You buy an iPad Pro and a pencil right. and that keyboard and this software Which and you have dollars and you have a mobile whatever yeah. unit. Audio editing, video that editing, works on the whatever. Mac. I mean that works on the Mac. I mean yeah. you look at at I mean and you, not only Adobe and Microsoft, but look at companies like Panic, who are, make good OS ten software. It's it's expensive compared to other stuff. They they compete with even free apps in places. But if you need those tools, that's who you go to. And I mean, all those things that you, that we just rattled off. It's a whole list of problems right now for iPad development. It's it's all throughout the stack. It's the store. It's the audience. It's the tools they are given to build apps. It, it seems like the hardware is just so far out in front and. The software and the policies, which I think is where Apple lags behind. I think the policies are the slowest to change. Um, this has got to catch up for this to be, you know, more successful than it could be without it. I agree. All right, Jason, you mentioned November a moment ago. Yeah, so I want to get your thoughts on that. But before we do, uh, let me just take a moment to thank our second sponsor for this week's episode, and that is our friends over at Fracture. You know Fracture. They make beautiful prints of your favorite photos. I have a couple of people sitting by my side who also own Fractures, and I've seen gifts, and, and they're on the walls of their homes. Oh, yes. And that is because Fracture will take your images and make absolutely stunning prints out of them. They take your photos. You upload them at FractureMe.com. You choose the size you want. They have a bunch of different selections in square and rectangle sizes fracture will take it and they will print your photo directly onto a piece of glass they have a great team in gainesville florida who check and assemble these things by hand to make sure they look great they package them up with all of the stuff that you're going to need to hang it on the wall or mount it Uh, i have a little uh, stand to put on your desk if you like and they package it all up and they will send it out to you and i have had these things sent to me from the other side of the world to england and they come these lovely pieces of glass uh, all lovely packaged and not a mark or scratch on any of them they look fantastic i mean jason i know that you have a bunch of your podcast artwork and, and stuff like that i do john syracuse is putting me to shame he's got his robot or not traction now and i haven't ordered that one Oof. yet but but if you've got anything that you've got uh images that are they can be family images or perhaps this i really like this marketing accomplishments thing and for people mm. like us it, it, or people like john and marco it's sometimes it's app icons or it's podcast art but um 
you know, I like that. That it's almost like the march of march of time or, or a recognition of the, of work that's been done. And yeah, it's a little bit like giving yourself an award. But it, you know, it's kind of nice to say yeah, I made these trophies. things, and here they are. They're on the wall, and it, that could be like things of uh, your kids. Uh, you know your kids' birthdays, or we t- we take a picture of our kids out in front of the sign at the school that they went to every year on the first day of school. And I I, I thought about ordering those as fractures and creating a little you know march of time that with something like that too. There's lots of, lots of things you can do with it. And they look great because you know these fracture prints are fantastic, but the process is really simple as well, which I really like. You just upload it and they send it to you. You don't need to buy a frame. You don't need to find a frame that fits. You don't have to put the picture in the frame and get dust in the... You don't have to do any of that. They take care of everything. They have great gifts as well as stuff for yourself. And they start at just $15, so it's not going to break the bank. But furthermore, you can get yourself a lovely 15% off your first order with the coupon code UPGRADE. Just go to FractureMe.com to get started. Thank you so much to Fracture for supporting Relay FM. So November. Yeah, November. So we I hope have... it rains. I hope it rains. I hope it rains. Remember, remember... I know the rains of November. I have no idea what's happening anymore. Um, so usually there's been an event in October time where they would right. unveil the new Macs, maybe the iPads, some other little bits and bobs. It seems like there will not be an event in October to talk about um, El Capitan because it's coming out September 30th. Right. Which is the weirdest way to announce a product ship date is in an email on a screen, but it was funny. I liked it. Good it moment. Funny. Good moment. A good way of doing it. But Apple always do the let's go back over the features again. But they didn't do that once, um, right. this week. Uh, I will they do, will, do you think there's going to be something else? They could do another event where they reassert the iPad Pro before November. My guess. They go back over uh, the new Macs. Maybe my, my there's guess an update is no, or something. But I, I, I don't. If I was at Apple, I, I certainly would bring that up as I do. Wait, do we want to do like a restatement event? Um, but I feel like they they they've done their big. There'd be nothing really. With well, it would be like a Mac thing, and I don't think they want a Mac event with like iPad Pro is also shipping kind of thing restatement thing. They they get a lot of stick actually in the press from when they like the Apple Watch event, which was a replay in the spring, a replay of last uh, September's right. event, right? And people. We're like, oh, we already heard all of this. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, but now they're now they want people to pay attention again because they're shipping it. Um, so yeah, I think we'll I think we'll see Apple launch some products using media, you know, using review embargoes and using publicity blitzes and interviews with executives and and all the stuff that they seem to be doing now as part of their their marketing, um, as opposed to bringing opposed the world's media into a room into town hall yeah. or something like that to do a to do a quick kind of thing. Because we expect new Macs, right? The, the idea the, the, it's rumored a twenty one yeah, inch. Yeah, they're going to be. They're absolutely going to be new Mac announcements. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the rumors are there'll be a smaller Retina iMac, um, and uh, who knows, maybe some other stuff too. Um, but yeah, not tied to El Capitan, probably. I guess. I guess really, I mean, you know... Unless it is. <laughs> El Capitan doesn't have a ton of stuff to show. It's not really a great demo. Um, I mean, because, you know, right. they, they, they did a good job of showing it off at WBDC, but I don't know if there's a lot really to go over. Whatever, your, your cursor gets bigger. It's That's awesome. That's yeah. true. It does do that more than I wish it would. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, using El Capitan, I do like it a lot. I like the split-screen stuff. is really useful for me. I love the Notes app. Um so you know, but but I see. You know, it seems maybe they won't do it. They're just gonna push it all out, as you say. Maybe get some reviews and stuff like that. But yeah, it really does feel like this is the event now, and that's it. Yeah, I think so. All right, so pre-orders, iPhone pre-orders went up a day or so ago. 
Uh, Stephen? You got to experience it. You both got to experience Pacific Time, was, Apple ordering, where it was it's not, actually midnight. Yeah, it's usually 2 a.m. for me. It's usually 8 a.m. for Mike. So it's not too bad for you. It's always great. For, I mean, I remember when I would uh, be on my way to work and I would jump off the train at a platform so I could pre-order my iPhone and then get back, to, <laughs> and then get back on the train to go off to work so I didn't go underground. Uh, Stephen, did you pre-order? I did. So I... Uh, currently, I'm part of the Mike was right generation and have an iPhone six plus. I ordered. There's a lot of six plus converts I'm seeing. Yeah, so the I, I hashtag ordered. Hashtag is alive on Twitter. So, so I ordered the six S plus sixty four gig, sixty four gig gray, same as I have now. Um, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the uh, the 3D touch. Having spent a little time with it, it's pretty nice. And excited about the camera, especially. I think. That new 12 megapixel shooter is going to be pretty nice. So, uh, so yeah, I, I do it almost every year. What about you, Mike? I did. I went 64 gigabyte plus. I got the white one. Uh, so I have many thoughts on this. A little confession. Okay, real so talk. I, I do want the white one, but I ordered it by accident. I didn't mean to press it, but I did press it. So what's your what what what's the back color? Is it is it? It's, uh, oh, it's it's silver. Yeah, I didn't get like the rose gold okay. or anything. Luckily, but uh, I because I wouldn't have wanted that. It's a nice color, but it's not for me. I was intending to get the gray, sure, uh, but I got the silver instead. But I I do like doing that. I have done that in the past, and if I maybe wasn't, I was I was literally falling asleep as I was ordering it. Uh, I was very tired. Uh, but I've done this in the past and I quite like it. If you have a different color device, it feels like a new device because obviously there's not a massive amount where right. they don't look any different. Right. Right. So I have a, well, I have a white one and then it maybe will feel a little bit more new. I have had white iPhones in the past. I think they're fine. But yeah. I moved away from them a while I, ago. I, I used to do what you, what you did this time of alternating the color. So it does, it's, it's a trick for your brain uh, as a reward for spending too much money. But um, I, I really, did. I really don't like the white glass around the screen as much as I used to. Especially when it's off, it just looks kind of weird. So um, yeah, so I went great. I'm gonna see. It's only gonna be a year. Uh, I actually did a. I was pleased I could do this. I did it in the app, a reserve for pickup, at the app store. Uh, I hate waiting at home oh, all day for the for a device, yeah. especially because in the UK, so many people buy iPhones on day one. Uh, because a lot of people upgrade because we have this very, very different system to you guys. And the delivery companies just cannot cope. Like there have been times where I've ordered phones and it's come like four days later, even though they were on a van to ship on the release day. So I'm going to go to a store at like 9 a.m. in the morning and just pick up the phone while I'm there. So I'm happy about that. Jason, did you do? Did you order one? I didn't. Why? Do, do you, why are you going to so handle I'm, that for a review I'm unit or on something? The, I'm on the non-S upgrade cycle for my personal phone. Yep. Um, but I also have to write about this stuff. So what I'm hoping is that I will get a review model from Apple that I'll be able to use in order to write about it. And then at some point I will decide about, um, how I want to manage it with my plan and my family. And if I want to buy, just buy an unlocked phone or whatever, but I'm hoping to not have to do that on day one that I'll have a access to a, a review unit which lets me unlike most people <laughs> but that lets me kind of yeah. delay my delay my thoughts a little bit so that's what i'm that's my current plan and the last time uh two years ago that that's what i did yeah or, or yep. yeah two years ago is i got the 5s um and it was uh it was gold <laughs> i think that was the was that the first gold phone it was, was white the white mm. gold 5s um Goldie, we called I it. I thought about gold Goldie. a couple of times, but I just I feel like I can't 
just got, I can't go there. I like I liked it. I think it um, looks nice. And I used that for a while and then and then um you know because that was the Apple review unit and and they don't ask for it back like 2 weeks later. They give you some time with it. So I used that for a little while um but didn't ever buy a a 5S. I just waited and, and bought the 6 for for myself. So we'll see how it goes this time. I don't know. I I would have 64 I'm, gig space gray 6 is S is what it would be. what you would do. Uh, if we get there, gotcha. Yeah. I uh, would like to be able to do the upgrade program. It's not in the UK yet. It, they said that they will be rolling out, so probably next year I will do that because I'm buying off contract. I think I've decided that I'm just going to buy unlocked phones from now on. I'm I'm so fed up of uh, but but not with, even with I don't even need the companies. I, I feel like I I don't need the financing. I can because the I, although the financing is pretty close in price. Somebody did some math and uh, selling your phone and buying a new phone every year unlocked is roughly the same price for me it, i would i would do it just because it's easy yeah like it, you just you pay for it and it just you pay for it every month and you just get a new one every year and then you don't need to go for the right i gotta make yeah. sure i get 700 pounds yeah. together for this time like sure just so it's just the, the payment goes and, and it's and just in that year with. you can drop it twice and break it exactly because i do buy apple care <laughs> but you put it in reminders like oh you got to break your phone yeah. Yeah. well it does cost you a hundred dollars or something yeah. like that yeah i went through it with the uh before i went to the plus my regular six uh fell down a flight of concrete steps on, on, its a parking, own. on a parking it? garage it jumped it, over i was you know i was using yeah. it while navigating it the stairs and it was a terrible idea but you know the the, the payment thing we're we're in a transition here in the u.s right yes. where, where the major carriers are ending the two-year thing and where you buy the phone outright mm-hmm. and you are doing this payment plan, uh, I'm going to look strongly at the Apple one next time. I still have about a year and a half on my Verizon contract, right. and I would love to be able to be in a world where I can just pay the whatever it is a month, and I have the freedom to switch carry. Right now, I want to switch away from Verizon to AT&T for coverage reasons. Um, the ground has sort of shifted where I live as far as who has good coverage, and uh, I can't. I mean, I can't without paying a huge ETF and buying another phone unlocked. So I bought I bought this phone full price you know, from Apple for Verizon. And I think next time uh, my family will move to that, that upgrade thing. Because the reality is I'm, I'm going to buy a new phone every year anyways. And so why not do it in a way that's a little bit easier and where I still have right. the flexibility. Embrace it. Right. And my plan is up now. My two-year plan is up uh, with, my, with EE, the, the company that I'm with. And at the moment, about every, pretty much every day, every two days, they're calling me to try and get me yeah, to go on Mike, a new plan. We like but, you back. Please yeah, come back. I have my phone on Do Not Disturb constantly, so I, I, all I ever see is these missed calls, and then I, I just block the numbers. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I don't want to deal with it. And so soon, I'm going to start shopping around again because really, I just want to. I just want data plan. I just want, give me a data plan. That's what I want, and I'm going to start looking around again to try and find a better deal in the UK because I pay way too much money for what I, what I use these days. Um, but I, I'm kind of, I'm just at the point where I'm like I just don't want to be locked into deals with these companies anymore. The Apple thing is such a, I mean, okay, I think it's a brilliant move. It's it's brilliant because we've been talking for a few weeks about what are they going to do, and everyone's been like, it's going to be the end of Apple's. Well, the, it, the perception you know. that these phones are expensive, right, and that that uh, which they are expensive, but they don't yeah. be, they aren't perceived as that when it's just hidden in your phone bill, right? And and the fact is that the carriers know that too, which is why they're not going from a. Uh, subsidy to a you buy it outright. They're going from a subsidy to a two year installment plan. It's a it's a an accounting change more than anything else. Yep. But uh, 
Apple, so then Apple can do that too, and now they are. And I find that fascinating because that that's, you know, who's your brand loyalty to if you're an iPhone user? It's to Apple and not to your carrier. So Apple's basically taking over yet another part of the carrier relationship and making it an Apple relationship. And now your phone is unlocked and you're a free agent and, and, and it makes the carriers even more of a dumb pipe. Um, so when you see something like this as well, you can see why these MVNO rumors are around. Yeah, and, and actually I read a, a nice piece by uh, Ben Evans. Maybe we'll put the, that in the show notes. I linked to it on Six Colors, um, where he said this is actually probably why Apple squashed the, the um, MVNO rumors, is you're already kind of digging into one part of your carrier partner's business. Sure. You might want to say, not that other part. <laughs> We're not doing that. Uh, no, no, no. Because uh, I, I will be fascinated to see how carriers respond to this because you know the carriers could respond to this and that in a way that is good for consumers. The carriers could say, oh, well... We're gonna we're gonna make it even an even sweeter deal for you to use us for your subsidy instead of Apple, and we'll give you a discount, and we'll you know, and if that happens, then um, good, then that's good too, because then you can choose between Apple's deal or a deal with a carrier that's even sweeter. But right now, the way it looks is that Apple's deal is as good as the carrier's deal. At which point, why would you, I think, not? not give yourself the flexibility that phone you get from apple's unlocked too so if you travel internationally you can pop a sim card in it you don't have any of this locking stuff that you know forces you into these expensive roaming charges when you go international there Um, are a lot of benefits to it yeah there are are a lot of benefits to it i did have a theory about the mvno thing which is this you know will apple start its own network and my theory was maybe that's for uh non-phone devices I, and I don't know enough about the phone industry to know, and I want to ask somebody about this at some point. But because that was my thought there is that maybe Apple want would want if they put cellular into a laptop or an iPad Pro, let's say, or iPads in general, um, would they want to take that off the board? Like we're just going to provide the the data, and not, we're not going to like what Amazon did with the Kindle. I mean, they were reselling behind the scenes. I think it wasn't an MVNO, it was MVNO net, technically, but they were doing it behind the scenes. That strikes me as more plausible that Apple's got a sort of like weird plan for making data available for its devices than replacing your carrier relationship entirely. But who knows? This is, it, it's fascinating. This is, uh, it's just, I, I, I wasn't expecting it. And Nobody yet it made, expected and, this. And yet it makes, genius per- move. it makes perfect sense. It was exactly what they needed to do, but I don't think anybody expected well, it was what they wanted We did do. see that announcement that like AT&T installment plans weren't going to be sold in Apple stores anymore, yeah. right? That, that yeah, came out a few back, months right, ago, yeah. and it's like, wow, what's that going to mean? And the answer is, it's going to mean nothing. The yeah, reason it's yeah. not being done anymore is because they don't want to do it themselves. Yeah, <laughs> which is as Apple yeah. as it gets. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an unexpected and, and fascinating story, and people are doing the math about what's, what's a good deal, and I'm sure some of the carriers will respond, and that'll be interesting too. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a good time. Uh, it, it sounds like there has never been a better time to embrace the idea of buying a new phone every year, which, um, you know, so many of us are on the every two year thing and people have been like, Oh no, the every two thing year, year thing is going to be disrupted. But these new methods make it a one year thing. I mean, for, it's actually better than it was before. Yep. Cause you used to have to take a huge hit in the, in the alternate year and you don't have to do that with these plans. That's great. Can we talk about Apple TV games for a little bit? <laughs> Yeah, because so my complete uh, interest in the Apple TV would only be for gaming, right? So I just as we spoke about before the the, the the entertainment stuff is just not a big thing, for right? Me. 
I think Apple did exactly what I expected, which was not the right stuff. Um, there's no good controller. Right. Uh, the it seems like that the input methods are very weird. I'm interested to see how some of the games that are touted to be coming to the Apple TV are going to work. Uh, there's you know there's a lot of stuff with like oh you can play on the iPhone and on the iPad and you can come to the TV and it will sync your plays. But you know I go back to the fact that the touchscreen devices and the Apple TV have a, a vastly different interaction method yes but i can't see how many games would be able to just make that seamlessly work with the controller apple's provided Um, so i'm interested to see how this sort of stuff happens but there's a lot of talk about something uh in regards to the 200 megabyte limit for apps so apps have a limit of how much space they can have on the apple tv for reasons nobody can really understand um, and what Apple is saying, and there's been a couple of articles about this, uh, Serenity Caldwell wrote a great one about it on iMore, saying about how, and like this is this is Apple's line on this, uh, and it's the one that people are reporting on because it's what they're saying about how people, you know, developers will be able to, and they're being pushed to by Apple, to download levels and elements and assets yeah. as the game progresses. So they're kind of like on demand or something like that. I understand that this is what is being said is the thing that Apple are saying and why the 200 megabyte limit doesn't matter, right, is what people are saying with this. But this is this doesn't make sense to me as a way to have a game work. Because if you are on an okay internet connection, you are going to hit a scenario where you are trying to progress to the next level and it won't be there. Well, I think... What they the way they want to do this is that, and and Serenity's article actually talks about how it would work. It's not supposed to work that when you get to level five, and it hasn't loaded level five, and you sit there and you wait for it to load level five. The idea is that it loads the first ten levels, and when you get to level six, it dumps the the, the first four and loads yeah, so eleven I mean, I through fifteen. I understand how that works, right? And, and so that you but, should you should you should have a huge buffer. The problem is if there's what if there's a shortcut to another level, or what if you want to jump back to a level and play it again? Those are times you will absolutely. But this is hit one of this. the fundamental things that shows Apple's misunderstanding of video games. Not all video games are levels. Well, that's true. Like, what about a game like Grand Theft Auto, an open world simulation game? That one's a lot harder. You're going to load in parts of the city. It doesn't work. Like right. these games, some of these games struggle on the consoles to try and load that data from the discs. So you see uh, the, like the world building itself in the background. Mm-hmm. And this is reading from I.O. It's part of the console. Yeah. Like this is just another step for me where I see a fundamental misunderstanding of how video games well, work. It, and I don't disagree with you, but I also don't think the Apple TV is made for console games. Giant like open Grand level. Theft Auto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think they want... I think, I think this is sort of um, two sides of a coin where the Apple TV control scheme and the hardware is designed with casual super casual games in mind and yeah. this this is another part of that i'm not saying that that it's the right way to go i mean i think if you're buying a console you're not looking at the apple tv like there is a different right. category the question for me is can this category even exist and be a, a good size business because so far there really has never been a sort of a casual console you know or something that plugs in your tv and you can play casual games on easily so it's it, it I view it as sort of a new thing and not Apple trying to chase a console. Um, the, I, 
think that if that is how they are approaching this, that makes sense. But they do talk about their processes being like console standard. Yeah, and and I think maybe that's just part of flexing. You know, think that. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, that's. But it's because a casual game doesn't have to look bad, right? A, no. a casual game can look. Yep. And should look good. I mean, look at some of the, our favorites over the years, like Monument Valley, which is like I could just put posters of Monument Valley around my room and mm-hmm. I'd be happy. Um, so I, 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 I agree with you. It's, it's a little mixed messaging from Apple, but I don't think they are gunning for the Xbox and the PlayStation with this thing. No, in fact, I, I, if, uh, I mean, the difference between Microsoft or between Apple and Nintendo is that Nintendo has all that intellectual property. But if you think of it, just the sort of like, what was a cool thing about the Wii, it was the accessible casual games. And, you know, that's something that maybe could be tapped into that they showed something. They showed that game, that rhythm based game from harmonics that looked very much like a Wii game where you've got a controller. It's got an accelerometer and a gyroscope. Mm -hmm. You, you, you know, you're waving it around in order to play the game. And that is, uh, you know, that's a a class of of game. It's weird, though, because they had a demo of this of this racing game, you know, uh, asphalt. Uh, yeah, it was the one where you're you're going along like uh, like a Tron kind of world. So, oh yeah, so it was not like a racetrack game. Gotcha. Um, but the the demo in the demo room was uh, trackpad based or touchpad, whatever that thing is on the remote. So you like have to touch on the left to turn left and touch on the right to turn right. And I thought, guys, there's a gyroscope in there. You should just be tilting it yeah. <laughs> to drive. Why did yeah. you do it that way? And maybe the answer is it's not out yet. And they, you know, they right. had they or had two days. I mean, iOS. A lot of iOS racing games have an option of like I have buttons or I can turn my device. I mean, there's no telling. Yeah, but uh, so so it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. But I like that they have. Uh, you know, it comes with a remote that has some of that that motion sensing stuff plus the trackpad because I, I think it will be versatile enough UI for some casual gaming, sure. but there will be a limit to it. Yep. That's definitely. And, and I think uh, like harmonics making that game exclusively for the Apple TV is a really weird thing. Like I can't well, imagine it's going to really be a matter. So my, my feeling, gonna be. my feeling there is that this is the equivalent of first party games. Is that Apple's I not going to? They went to them. Apple's not going to make their own games for this, which we we talked about the you know like the poker iPad game and all of that, right? That that has like Phil Schiller in it. Um, this is the alternative to that, which is Apple's got money. Apple goes to partners and says, "Make us an exclusive for the Apple TV." Yeah. And that's instead of having first party games, they have some exclusive titles that they have funded essentially i think that's what's happening some of the big stuff that i'm trying to i, I want to get the full details on this but like games like disney infinity so what i've heard is because currently you plug this reader into a console and you put the, the action figures down and they appear in the game but i've heard that there's going to be an update to disney infinity where there is a bluetooth enabled reader and so stuff like that that could be huge these types of games these Games for younger kids with all of this stuff like Legos about to do one called Dimensions. Yes. If Apple can convince these companies to put these games on here, like the new Guitar Hero. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with Guitar Hero. I can't imagine a guitar peripheral for the Apple TV. So I'm not, they have, this like Guitar Hero's come in, but I haven't seen yet, like, what do you, do you use the little remote for Guitar Hero? Because <laughs> that's not fun. Uh, so if they can bring these sort of games in, make some sort of versions with them. It could be interesting. 
But it, this again, it like mixes the message for me. Yeah. Because these are traditional console games. And but they want them on the Apple TV. But then they don't make controls there, for them. There is a class of casual game on iOS that does work with this control scheme. And and yeah, they, like they're actually they show Crossy Road and it's perfect. Yeah, and those are actually the ones that have the worst control schemes on the touch screen yeah. because they really want you to have a left, right, up, down, like Pac Man Two Fifty Six. Can you right? does the, do the button click? The, the it does. does it, it, click? It, it physically clicks. It's I believe not, it's an actual physical I click. Think it's it not is. one of these fake ones. No, I think it's okay. a real one because it, I didn't. I couldn't tell if it clicked. The fact that it clicks is good because that is an interesting mm-hmm. way to make it work. Uh, but yeah, it, it just it, the it's just this mixed message thing that I just find so confusing. Uh, but I can see why they're doing it. They want to be in the gaming world, but I think Apple could st- still has a ways to go to maybe prove a little bit more legitimacy. Yeah. yeah. All right, should we take a break? We should. Uh, Jason, would you like to talk about Stamps.com? Yes, this episode of Upgrade brought to you by Stamps.com. You know, uh, getting mailing and shipping done can seem like a no-win situation. Going to the post office, it takes up time. You have to see people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see people. Like no. I'm, I you know, you guys are okay because you're right here, and I, I've met you before. The people at the post office, I rarely run into you at my local post office. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, also, if you're a business and you mail a lot of stuff out, you could lease a postage meter. That'll work, uh, but those can be very expensive. Um, there are multi-year commitments and hidden, hidden fees with that. But there is a better way. Stamps.com, which lets you buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package and do it all right from your desk using your own computer and your own printer. And Stamps.com is better and easier to use than a postage meter and costs a fraction of the price. You can save up to 80% with Stamps.com compared to a postage meter, and you'll avoid all of those time-consuming trips to the post office where you'll see people that you don't want to see. Uh, it costs fifteen ninety nine a month. That's it. You don't have to make a long-term contract. It's not like a cell phone provider that we were complaining about earlier. You don't have to make a multi-year commitment. And postage meters often require that. Uh, there are no markups on postage. In fact, you'll get some special postage discounts Ooh. with Stamps.com. So it makes it a real no-brainer. I've uh, mailed things with Stamps.com. I've mailed letters. I've mailed uh, packages. I, I print out the thing and tape it down. And the the letter carrier comes to my house and I hand them the box and they go away and then I don't have to see people. It's uh, it's delightful. So whilst I'm here, uh, a, a great company that we do some sponsorship with on the pen addict called Karis Customs are sending me a pen. They've done this before. They want me to see this new pen so they're sending me one. And I got a lovely little email from stamps.com. Uh-huh. I had the tracking number in. I could take the tracking number, put it in a deliveries app. Simple. And it was nice because it, it, it was one of the first things I don't usually get stamps.com emails because people, because I'm not in the US. Yeah. But I like that seeing that the tracking number was right there. I could take it and I could see what the package is. It's beautiful. Easy. Uh, you got to see it from the other side. The other side. I like that. So, special offer for upgrade listeners. You can use our promo code upgrade for a no-risk trial and there's a $110 bonus offer which includes a digital scale and up to $55 in free postage. So don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in upgrade. That's stamps.com. Enter upgrade. Thank you so much to stamps.com for supporting this show, keeping me out of the post office and sponsoring Relay FM. So, Jason, we were leaving dinner yesterday, and you showed me uh, an iMessage that you received from your daughter. Yes. Could you explain to the listeners what's happened here? Uh, It was a a text that said, what do I do? (laughs) It's not a good way to start, really. (laughs) I can hear her saying it, too, because this is her default... I don't know what I've, I've, I, even when she's very proud about being able to navigate the world and when she was younger, she said this a lot more than she does now that she's 13. Um, 
almost 14. Uh, but she gets to that moment and she goes, what do I do? <laughs> and she sent, she texted me, what do I do? And I thought, Oh, and then there, and then an image came through and it was a screenshot of her iPhone with the alert saying, you don't have enough space to back up your iPhone. And I told her, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it when I get home. But I had just been talking about this because so David Smith wrote a piece on his blog about the bad user experience that comes with uh, 16 gigabyte iPhones because they run out of space. Mm -hmm. And he actually has some scary stats about people who use his apps and how much space that they've got available. And it's not good. The 16 gig models, it's not good. It's super tight. And you get these you get these alerts that you're running out of space and it makes people uncomfortable and maybe it would be better if that phone didn't exist because it makes the users not have a good experience. And um, my response was to say, you know, the other thing that makes users have a bad experience is the fact that there's the five gigabyte iCloud thing. And these days, almost any iPhone will gen- will hit that limit and, uh, and uh, tell you what my daughter got. The, I can't back up alert, danger. I can't back up your phone. Do, action is required. Take action. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I complained about it. And it was just funny. I was, I was talking about it and then it happened to my daughter. And it's frustrating because I've got a 500 gig plan, which um, soon, if I, if I keep it the way it is, soon will be a terabyte plan. I have it's no nine, idea what mine is. 999, the 999 a month. I, I got it because I wrote that book about photos. So I sync my entire photos library. And right. I like having the whole photos library there. Okay. Um, but uh, my family sharing plan members don't have access to it, which is insane. If you have a terabyte, as an individual, you should be able to split that up you amongst people. Think? That, that's a lot of space. That's a lot of space. Well, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, but family sharing is sort of half done. Like you can, yeah. do, it works in certain circumstances, but with this seems like such an obvious addition to that. Yeah, where I'm, they just haven't gotten around. Like the guy in charge of it hasn't gotten around to it. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's and you know when I talk to people about it, it, I understand you know storage cloud storage isn't free. But uh, this five five free is five free f- for an Apple account. So if you have a phone and an iPad, you immediately run into the five free unless you like create a dummy iCloud account name. Which stri- it, so it strikes me first off, perhaps every linked device to a particular Apple ID should get five gigs. First off, it should probably be ten gigs. Yeah. And second, there should probably be a, a an additional amount that you get for every additional device you link to that ID. If you buy because you're buying the hardware, you're giving Apple cash for the hardware. So it's like, "Oh, you added an iPad, your 10 is now 15." Or whatever. And, and I feel like they they did everything they did a good job, not everything right, but they did a good job in lowering the iCloud fees in general. I'm disappointed. I'm on that 500 gig plan. It's gone now. If you want more than 200, which I do because of all the photos I've got, you have to go up to the terabyte now. Yeah. So it doesn't actually save me any There's money There's no right middle now. ground. You can no. still get the 500. Can like, you? Yeah, for the time being at least. I'm looking at it right now. Well, yeah, but that, those are the old, those yeah, are the that old will rates. Go away. It'll go away. It'll, uh, it'll I think it's, my guess is it'd be on the 16th of the iOS yeah, yeah. update. They usually kind of pair iCloud stuff with right. that. So they'll get rid of the 500. They'll keep the terabyte at the cost of what is now the 500. Um, the 200 gets cheaper. That's great. Um, I just, you know, it, it just feels to me like I don't want to say that Apple shouldn't try to make money on cloud services because mm-hmm. I know they have a cost. However, below a certain point, what you're talking about is how are your customers experiencing your products, the hardware that they buy? That's, that's not a cloud services. 
that shouldn't be the job or the decision of the cloud services division of like, well, we got to make money. That's, that's the people who make an iPhone. Like Jonathan Ive actually should care that people who buy a 16 gig iPhone are going to run out of space and that's a user experience problem. And they should care that five gigabytes of backup is probably not suitable. And that the goal here is not to create something that is such a limited freebie that it's essentially useless in order to upsell people on storage. Uh, ultimately, people need a lot of storage. They should pay for it. But I feel like there's the line that you can draw where it's a reasonable amount. And if you want to use more, you should pay. And then there's a line you can draw that it's an unreasonable amount. And it's really just kind of a sleazy way to get more money out of somebody. And it, yep. for Apple's products, they need to be on. They need to be on the right line there. Mm-hmm. They need to not be perceived as constantly hitting you up for more money. And the five gig uh, backup thing, they're not on the right side of the line. I've taken a look at mine because I have no idea, and I am on some weird legacy plan where I get twenty five gigabytes for seven ninety nine a <laughs> oh my year. God. I maybe it was dot mac. Because I've yeah. I've stuck around with the same account. You've since made then. a horrible mistake. So I have a twenty five gigabyte seven ninety nine a so year. So you're, you're going to be able to go up to ninety nine cents a year, or ninety nine cents a month. Oh, you're you're in. I have not. You're seven ninety nine a year. A year. So I it basically <laughs> it says here, if you change this, you're losing you're what losing, you've got. Yeah. But I never have this problem. I, ne- I never, I never have an issue where I'm out of space because I, I don't put all my, I haven't got all my right. photos in there no, yet, and I, I don't I plan think... on doing it. I use, I use my iCloud storage purely for my backups, even yes. though currently nothing is backing up, which is right. horrifying, and that will be fixed within the next couple of days. But, th- but like, yeah, it's the funny. Backup... I, I assume this is probably Dot Mac, right? Mm. That I'm on yeah. here, but I've just looked at it now because I always hear people talk. I'm like. I don't think I pay every month for storage. And that's why, <laughs> because I pay a minuscule eight pounds a year for my 25 gigabytes. That is amazing. I'm going to try and keep this for as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're in some like weird grandfather scheme <laughs> yeah. that they don't even know how that's it That's like the great grandfather yeah. yeah, plan. <laughs> it, it literally says, once you upgrade, you will not have the option to return to your legacy plan. Mm-hmm. Look at me. Look at that. Look at, look at that. But I the backup, to... I mean, and I think that that's what I'm really talking about here. Yeah. The bad user experience is Apple has created a system level backup. It's good. People should probably back up their stuff. And you can't like install a backup program on nope. your iPhone. So it's a base part of the system. Uh, people who are not doing unreasonable things should be able to just know that their phones are getting backed up without worrying about it. And but, by having the level where it is... Yeah. You know, what ends up happening is people get frustrated because the UI for it is terrible. Um, oh, it's, yeah. It's there. You can specify what to delete from the backup and what not to back up, but it's not very good. And so people like my daughter, I think, will just say, unless they've got me to say, what do I do? <laughs> uh, they just are like, whatever. And then well, the phone I, is not backed up anymore. I remember Adina had this issue, and she was like, I'll stop backing up my photos. And I was like, but. <laughs> no, no. Because it no. was the because she was running out of space, and it was the only thing she could do. Because it kept telling her every day, it's like you got to do something, you got to do something. Yeah. Which is, you know, my feeling with this is Apple doesn't have to offer backup; they don't have to do it. But because they do, yes, they need to go all in. Yes, I agree. If you're going to give anything free, it's got to be enough to help the person out. But you don't have to do it at all, right? For a reasonable person to back up their devices that they bought. 
without again at a reasonable level and then if you're somebody who's backing up crazy stuff sure but you got to draw that line in the right place they drew the line at five gigs free like what three years ago four years ago and the line has moved they need to move they, they need, need to, they yeah. need to they need to raise that number i don't know if i mean people talk about it and i don't know if they need to do the thing where they offer you the same amount of storage for the device that you have whilst that's an ideal i don't know if that's necessarily the best business move for monetary reasons, but it needs to be more than five gigabytes. Well, and the way the backups work, if you have a 64 gig phone and you have 30 gigs of music, Apple's not backing up that music. I mean, they're backing up some core stuff, they're backing up your settings, they're backing up... Really, it shouldn't be an amount, right? Oh, yeah. It should just say, your device is backed up. If you want to add photos on, you pay for it. But, But the data, except like some media... It, just, it shouldn't be like, you have 16 gigabytes, in fact, you have 7 gigabytes, you, it's just taken care you of. You could argue that the if you're going to spend $100 for more storage on your phone, that that's one of the things you're spending for, is some more, you know, your, your backup of that device too. So it's yeah. like, why is it $100 more to get a, a, you know, a, a 128 over a 64? And the answer is, well, it's not just the memory chips, it's also more cloud storage that yeah. we're giving you. But yeah. they're not doing that it's, now. It's gross, and I, I agree with your assessment that it's the wrong side of the line. If you tie it into family sharing, that would help because some people are on on the family sharing stuff, and, and that would be a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Because that's the other problem is if a husband and a wife have different Apple IDs and they both need some storage, right now they have to do two monthly plans with Apple, which it also is stupid. And there should be one plan that covers the whole family. Agreed. Oh, well. Let's do some Ask Upgrade. Jason, can you tell uh, our lovely listeners about FanDuel? I can. So this, uh, as we record this, in fact, it is day one. There are football games, American football games, Mike, no because way. we're in America. American being played, football? American football wow. is being played right now. This is the first week of the uh, of the football season. Uh, as you hear this, it will, it will all be over except for a couple of uh, Monday night games. Uh, so anyway... Uh, how did your fantasy team do? Did you do well? Did you not do well? I, I don't know because my fantasy team is still playing. Um, but uh, this is it, it's a it's a fun pastime that a lot of people do where they uh, get sometimes it's you know more engaged in the sport as they're watching it because they are more interested in games that they wouldn't otherwise be interested in because they have players on those teams that they care about. It's a lot of fun. I've been playing fantasy sports for a very long time. The difference with something like FanDuel is that they play one-week fantasy football. So, for example, now that week one has passed, you'd say, darn it, I never got into a fantasy league this year. I guess it's too late for me. And you don't have to do that with FanDuel because every week – it's a new week, a clean slate. You play again. You don't get behind and you're like, my team is terrible this year. I'm done. And you don't say, I didn't, you know, I didn't pay attention to the football uh, schedule until week three. So I'm done. You can jump in at any point. Um, there are more winners and payouts than any other site on FanDuel. They're going to have more than $75 million a week during the football season. It's completely insane. Uh, building a team is pretty easy. You get a salary cap, and the players, based on how big of a star they are, have a value. And so you can pick some stars and some nobodies. You can pick a bunch of people that are kind of in the middle that you think are going to do well. It's an interesting exercise in trying to balance out and make the perfect roster. And then you sit back and watch for the week and see what happens. Um, and uh, you pay an entry fee to get into a league, and that's the money that comes back to the winners. They start at $1. It is a game of skill. You are using your knowledge uh, and maybe your guts about football players in order to try and find what the ideal assemblage of a football roster is. It can be a lot of fun. Uh, last year, a FanDuel player named Joe Watson from New York turned his $50 deposit into more than $30,000 in two <laughs> weeks playing fantasy football. He 
is a really good fantasy player, much better than me. Anyway, go to FanDuel.com, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use the code UPGRADE and sign up now. New users also get access to a special offer. Uh, for every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it up to 200 bucks. It gets earned as you play. So use code UPGRADE, FanDuel.com, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com, and then use the code UPGRADE. Every day is a new season at FanDuel. I would say play ball here, but that's baseball, so that's a mis- mixed metaphor. I have been seeing a ton of FanDuel ads on American TV whilst I've been here. Yeah, it's a, a really big deal. It's a huge, um, yeah, it's a huge thing. This, well, fantasy football is huge, and yeah, then somebody discovered tell. at some point that first off, fantasy used to be uh, you like get the paper on Monday. And you'd write down the statistics. I did this. My first fantasy league was when I was in high school. And you'd write down the statistics, and you'd ca- and you put like you know who p- people's players were, and maybe you had a spreadsheet on your computer, but maybe you just did it by hand. But you got it out of the newspaper. And then over time, you know the computers got better, and then they then all the stats were on the internet, and suddenly you could have websites yep. that would calculate that data. And so that was the next step. And and they used the old style kind of year long leagues. The new innovation is uh, this week by week thing where you can drop in and drop out. Which is it's more true fun. because so that, that it so often happens that people are like really maybe they're into baseball, and then the World Series ends, and they go, oh yeah. I never did fantasy football and with these kind of games you jump you can jump in you focus once and then you're playing the game and you're not making a commitment to 18 weeks yeah. and you're not making a you know it, it's a clever idea so uh, this is this is the new thing Anywho, ask upgrade. Yep. So, uh, Rajiv asked, will the next version of the iPad have 3D touch? I was surprised that they didn't put it in. Uh, I mean, I think that it's one of those things like a rolling like thing. Touch ID, where yeah. it's going to start with the phone and then and then mm-hmm. migrate around. Uh, I do expect it to be everywhere. I mean, it's I do. It, it seems yeah. to be it's really the new retina, right? It's really just that useful new thing, right? And and the iPhone is the flagship product. It's the product that makes yep. Apple the most yep. money. Yep. They sell yep. the most of them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it. Uh, I think it will come, but I think it's fine that it's not there now. So I've played a bit a little bit because there's some people mm-hmm. here that have the devices. Yeah, seems fine. I think you don't have to press as hard as you do on the watch. Oh no, I think I think they did a really great job. I think it's I think it feels much nicer. The software, the sensors, whatever they're I, doing, they perfectly are measuring your intent. I never felt like, oh no, I didn't mean to do that. It's yep. like it knows Agreed. when I want to 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 peak and pop. I I have my own theory about these. Uh I don't think it should be called peak and pop and then you cuz you guys were talking about it cuz it always pops. I think it should be called pop and snap. Uh, but Dan Provost, the studio needs. How about it. Pop and Lock? He came up. He said, "What about Pop and Lock?" Because uh, I think that, you know, I think that's more fun. But I like that. I like that interaction. I'm interested to see how it will work because I wonder what the actual real utility will be in that or some of that stuff. Like the idea of peeking at the message. Like you might as well just tap the message and open the message. I, but I, looking at like you know when we send URLs to each other, just looking at like the image without leaving the messages yeah. app that seems really useful right so like they did it with like a great bitly url perfect you some someone sends you a bitly url what is this you click it you see what it's like someone's sending you great i know and then the and idea. then and you can either be like away. i'll go get it later or you can push through and then you get uh then you're there yeah it's like okay i'll buy into that i i think it's a really good metaphor um and then out on the on the home screen, I think they did a very good job. You will, I think you can get really used to the you know pushing on an app and then sw- and then keeping your finger on the screen and, and sliding down to the action you want and letting go and having it quick quick link you in. I think that's really nice. It's like a really weird URL scheme thing. 
it, that's what it is. It's like Launch Center Pro. Um. <laughs> so I think imagine an app like Workflow where you can just trigger an action by holding on the icon. Mm-hmm. This was, if you remember a few weeks ago, I was talking about Action Launcher. It's basically exactly that. Yeah. Like the idea of you being able to trigger certain actions just by touching the icons. I think it's pretty cool. So I do think all the iPads are going to get this feature. I, I, I wonder, I do wonder technically if it's more difficult. I'm sure it's more difficult. I wonder how much more difficult it is to sense pressure across a large screen of a large sheet of glass. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be looking at their their videos and how they explain it, that it's a layer under the screen, and you know, they're yeah, telling sure, it's like in the back. I don't think they would do it on the iPhone if they didn't think they could have it on the iPad next year. Right, but so. it might. Yes, because right now, I mean, this is a new this is a new metaphor, and you want it to be everywhere. And it just makes sense that it would be on the iPad eventually. So yeah. I, w- I would assume so. In fact, I would say this feels far more cohesive as a metaphor. I know there's two models. There's the kind of right-click model in the, in the uh, home screen. And then there's this peek and pop everywhere else. But that peek and pop metaphor, is, it's good. Um, it's consistent. And... That's not something that I've seen with the Force Touch on the Mac, on the MacBook. Or on the watch. Or on the watch. Well, at least the watch, when you Force Touch it, usually it brings up a layer with some men- a menu. Sure. It's almost like a right click. But on the Mac, it's this you know three-finger look-up something kind of thing. Yeah. So I look at this and think, uh, next OS ten version, or Mac OS perhaps, oh. uh, OS. I wonder... Nope. <laughs> I wonder if uh, it feels like it needs a, a, a unifying metaphor for what a force touch does, and this well, I mean, this has it. So maybe the name. Well, yeah, three D. Well, maybe 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 OS eleven will have three D touch, and it'll so be my, peak and pop, and it'll all make much more sense. Well, my thought on that too is that on the watch, force touch is just one thing, right? It it is it is measuring sensitivity, but there's only one action yeah. behind it. Where on the on the phone, there are now two. And so it's almost like 3D touch is a step further than force touch. Yeah. It's yeah. So I, I, I agree with you. The naming is messy and I, I agree like that they that, have two names and neither of them are good. Yeah. Yeah. They're both <laughs> terrible names. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that 3D touch is sort of a step further down that road. Mm-hmm. And I, I would, I can see a world in which the, a future version of the watch has another layer of depth to it. Yeah. In that yeah, touch. yeah. For so sure. We'll for see. Sure. We'll see. Sure. I mean, Where you can use force touch on a, on a certain element. Right, because well, the watch recognizes elements, well, but it doesn't it, recognize it with the force touch. Well, the the technology that they're using to sense touch on the watch is very and different. Phone are very different. Yeah. But I, what I'm saying is, you you touch, you you touch a little hard for something, and you touch harder for something else. Like on the phone, it very much feels like it's a a depth thing. Like yeah. the, like my this MacBook Pro that's sitting right here has the force touch trackpad. And it's that trick of I'm pushing into it, but I'm not really pushing into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the phone seems more. Um, precise in that than the watch does. The watch, I'm kind of like just slamming, you know, the bloody end of my hand into my wrist, but the the phone feels a little more precise. Yeah, I'm still worried about all of our nerve endings, but we'll, we'll address They're that all dying in a few years. But, but it is very, um, I think if you haven't tried it... Um, it takes less pressure than the watch. It, it, it is It is not... It's more comfortable. All feeling. the worries that we had about like, oh, you know, you're going to be pressing really hard on this thing. It doesn't feel, you don't, you don't press hard but you just press enough that it registers. It knows that you're trying to to, to do you do you know activate if, that because obviously there's the taptic engine in there. Yeah, does that replace the vibrate motor? Is there a vibrate motor? I, I have read that it does, but I don't know for all, sure. All I can tell you is that the vibration motor feels pretty much the same to me. 
So I imagine that it is the vibration they, motor yeah. too, but it's or more, the it's, haptic motor is just making a vibration. Well, that that's it. Is that it's um, the, 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 the haptic, old crummy vibrator is not there. The, the yeah. implication at the event was that this is just a better vibration engine because it can do smaller increments. Yeah, because they were talking about how many revolutions it needs. Right. But to I think get up to a one vibration. But I think something. it can still do the full on kind of thing. Yeah. In addition, to how the was that? <laughs> I was just hoping it would be quiet. That, that's all I would like to see. But we'll see. Uh, Tom would like to know: given that they've changed the material, so we have this new aluminium. Uh, is the new iPhone less slippery than last year? Did you notice any kind of difference yeah, in that? It is. It is. It is less slippery. I think. I think. Uh, it. We'll see how it lasts, but it. it it feels t- almost tacky. Huh. Okay. Um, and I don't know, I assume that is an, a side effect of the anodization process. I don't know if they're also like spraying on something Blue. to make it, yeah, some, ta- some stick them. <laughs> that rhino um, line where people spray in trucks. And, and I'm unclear about whether it means they, um, whether it'll, it'll like wear off <laughs> or whether yeah. it, uh, it's going to stay, but it, it is, it feels much more uh, tacky and less slippery than the six. So I think there was at least an attempt made to make it less slippery. So um, Dave would like to know how the rose gold iPhone actually looks. Because in some of the photos, it looks <laughs> copper colored. I mean, my feeling, I, I've seen them. Uh, I've seen one of the watches as well. It's pink. All right, please. Yes, thank you for answering that question. Because although, I, although I can see many colors... <laughs> Light pink casts on things I can't detect. Yeah. My girlfriend in, in college had a pair of pink socks that I said, why don't you throw those socks away? They're so, they're so gray and faded. And she said, no, they're pink. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, when I saw the rose gold uh, iPhone and the Apple Watch version that's rose gold too, it looked gold to me. I, I can't see it at all. So yeah, thank you for providing some expert commentary it, it's on pink. it. It's pink. It's it, right. it, pink. They... they I you think, could give it. You could give me one, and I would never know. I, <laughs> I think, think the I, idea here iPhone. was they wanted to make a pink iPhone, but not call it a pink iPhone. Yeah, all right. I think they wanted to give it a fancier name. Well, Christina, Christina Warren has been referring to it as rose gold. Yeah, which is a brilliant way of putting it because <laughs> that's the color. It's like that. Sorry, like the ready pinkish color of rose yeah. is is what this looks like. Because yeah. rose gold looks very different to that. Like, if you want to see what rose gold looks like, go look at the edition. That's yeah. rose gold. But. Okay, so uh, Josh would like to know... If you want to see what space gray looks like, go to space. Exactly. It's very gray It's not gray, gray I there. can tell you. <laughs> Josh would like to know, with, with 3D Touch, is the gesture for deleting apps still the same? Uh, it seems like there would be some gesture collision. I can say yes, that definitely happens. Uh, because when uh, Adina tried to do it, she couldn't get it to work, and the icon started jiggling, and we couldn't see it in the sun. So she's pressing it, and nothing's happening, because she was holding for too long. Uh, there is, and this yeah. is the exact issue that we were talking about weeks ago that I think will happen to people... The phone will now do another thing, which is unexpected by some. My, my guess is that over time, long press will go away. Um, I don't. I don't know how, what they replace that with to remove the app. Maybe every app in the right click menu gets uh, removed, or maybe there's some other element to do it. But I agree. It's is if you if you think that you are 3D touching, it's a terrible verb. Yep. Uh, and you're not actually pushing hard enough, you are just actually long pressing because your, exactly th- your thumb happens. is just yeah. resting on the screen. And so it, I agree that right now it's a little messy and maybe they can do more software over time to detect the difference better. But I also think too that once you get used to it, you won't make that mistake. No, I, I, agree. I agree completely with yeah. that. That once you get used to what a force or 3D 
press. I've been saying push. I like kind of like you push. when you push an icon push. instead of tap. No, just push. Push mic over. Yeah, um, do that. Um, when you when you push on an icon, you get that menu. When you just lay your finger on tap it, it, you tap it yeah. and hold. You're not exerting pressure into it. You're just tapping on it, and yeah. then it starts so, to dance. But I think in the long run, yeah, it, it's, it's just it, it's, that thing. I think you get used to it, but I, I always just go back to the people that don't pay attention to mm-hmm. it, who just don't care because it's or not what they you, follow. you do it while you're walking down the street, not paying full attention even, yeah. and then you, you nuke Overcast instead of trying to play a, yeah. new, that, that's, a, a new episode of that's why I think you'd almost want to put it ultimately in the Force Press menu, a 3D push, whatever, uh, menu, yeah. Uh, as a as an option, or a, yeah, that, and, that gets and then, my vote. And then it, and then it brings up a thing that says, "Are you sure you want to delete this?" Right. Yeah. yeah. That, that gets my vote. And final question today uh, from Rajiv: uh, Do you think that Apple will eventually make Siri operable without an internet connection? I feel like they definitely should. I don't. Uh, so much of Siri is. I mean, I think Apple is redefining Siri as being internet based data sources. Though, I mean, you can do text to speech without an internet sure, connection, but it can still give a. It or can speech still text. give like information that it knows about you, like it's intelligent assistance. Yeah, stuff. Well, I, I agree. For things like what's my next calendar item, and if you're in airplane mode, it, it, it still knows what your next calendar item is, right? So your phone should be able to tell you, you that. Tell you that. Right. Um, the, the problem is, and I think what this question gets to is that the voice recognition takes place on the cloud. Where well, uh, so on the Mac, it doesn't have to. Well, well, you the to, Mac doesn't have Siri. That's dictation. It, on the Mac, yeah. it downloads the dictation dictionary and it matches it. But if you, yeah. if you, the phone if you, should be able right, to pass some of it. Speech though. to text is not Siri, though. Speech right. to text is speech to text. Right, and you but can the, do that offline. Right, but the question about is Siri going to be operable without the internet connection? They would have to offload some sort of Siri uh, re- logic to yes. the to the devices. Yes. And that's harder. That that's harder, and my guess is is a pretty big data set, and they're always they're always evolving it, right? I mean, Siri is sort of a growing uh, learning system where they, they tweak it over time. It's it's a robot, or maybe it's not, but it is learning. <laughs> and so I don't know. I, I agree with you that for stuff on device, if even if it's a limited set of commands, it would be nice. But I think that you there's a lot of weirdness in there that I just want to avoid. Of well, this works one time, but it's not working another time, or something like that. We'll see. I mean, it's something I would like to see them do a little bit more with. I still think Siri yeah. is underpowered. I I, I think Agreed. Apple is redefining Siri as being an internet internet based. You know, it's basically a search engine. Yeah. And, and under that definition, my answer to Rajiv's question would be no. Yeah. Although I would like it to be part. I would like them to be able to do the Siri. You know, take it home version of Siri, where if yeah. it's offline, it can do some basic stuff like back in the day when you used to be able to tell the voice your, your voice control. Yeah. Tell me a joke. Knock knock. No, but it would be and it would like play the music by whatever, and it would do yeah. it right. So something rudimentary like that, where where it it was going to say, "Look, I can't tell you that unless I'm on the internet." But some basic set of features yeah. like your calendar, or or even fall back to that. That system yeah. was very short lived. It was only the three GS and the four. I mean, even fall back to something like that, where I can dial a phone number by voice. Yeah. Um, right. I think or play music. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw an ask upgrade at you guys. <gasps> Live ask upgrade. This is never happened before. Never. So why has Siri not made it to the Mac? Good, good radio right here. Yeah. Sound of crickets. I don't think that there's a reason that makes any logical sense. Uh, I'm going to give you um, a better answer. Than, than Mike's. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Subtle. Um, <laughs> it is there because the um, assistant stuff that they're adding 
I feel like Siri is coming to the Mac in a different direction. Like there, there, there are all those data sources that they're adding to Spotlight. Right. Those are the Siri data sources. The only thing that's not coming is to the, the Mac voice. is the text-driven interaction with the Spotlight window. Maybe they'll add that at some point, but I feel like they could call it Siri even if they don't add that because at some point Siri is the search. It's Spotlight. Right. Spotlight may just go away, and it may yeah. be Siri I, in in Mac OS 11. I agree with that if they bring the voice commands to it because I think so many people think of Siri as the thing I interact with with I my agree. voice, and it's already got speech and text, right? And it's already right. got the text. All the parts are there, and I'm a little surprised it hasn't happened. But if you look at the new data sources that they're adding in El Capitan, it's a a lot of the same stuff that they right. put into and, Siri. So it's basically right. the same And with stuff. AppleBot being web-based, I mean, they can pull from that that information. They can search within the App Store. They can do all these things. Yeah. Really from any platform. I mean, some of that's agnostic. So I, I agree with you that it's um, they're getting there and they're doing it in a very sort of behind-the-scenes way where Spotlight keeps getting better and better, more powerful, more flexible. Um, but I do think for them to call it Siri with big air quotes that you can't see, uh, you still need to have a little voice that you can talk to. It's got to, it's got, and it's got to have the, um, the sassiness. Yep. The, um, yeah, I, I, the other thing that I think is out there for Siri in the future is, uh, cross device integration mm-hmm. where if I've got an Apple TV an iPad an iPhone and a Mac all on my home network, um, not to mention perhaps some home, you know, smart home stuff. Uh, I would like to be able to do things from one device to another. Right. And I know that that's, you know, there are security issues and things, but if it's all in my network and it's with my Apple ID, you know, right. I, w- I would really be able to like to use my Apple TV remote or my phone to tell my Mac to play some music on iTunes. Right. Or I'm, I'm in the kitchen and all I have is my phone. I can tell my Apple TV start, you know, start playing this movie or start playing this album. Yeah. Right. And that, you know, HomeKit sort of lays the foundation for that in a way. Uh, again, we talk, I think you and I just spoke about it last week, Jason, yeah. that HomeKit is sort of like undead. It's, still, it's still there. It's they still just there. didn't talk about it, but, but it's, it's still there. It's very, it seems, at least publicly, sort of not the push right now. Right, um, which is funny because you're, now you've got a Siri remote that you can talk to, so you can, turn yeah. on, you can tell it to turn on the lights, and it, I think which, it will work. I think the new Apple TV is definitely a push in that, in right. that direction. They and, just didn't put it on stage. Right. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that would be really, really great to have sort of Siri take on some Jarvis-like... Uh, control where it's hey I know about all these things right the, like you said my iCloud account ties them all together um, it just I, I want them to do more with that in the future and I think they'll get there but we'll see cool so I think about wraps up for this week Stephen thank you so much for joining us thank you for uh, having me it's a pleasure always a pleasure Jason always lovely to record in person that's right this is th- our third is it our third? I think. I like I like it when we do this. But thank you so much for listening. And also thanks to our sponsors again for this week. Uh, Lindo.com, Fracture, Stamps.com, and FanDuel. They help support the show. If you help support them, that's really nice for us. If you want to find uh, Jason online, then you can go over to SixColors.com. And he's at JSnell on Twitter. Stephen is at ISMH. And he writes over at 512pixels.net. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. We have some show notes this week, which you can find over at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 54. But until then, we'll be back next time. Bye-bye. Thus ends year one of Upgrade. Oh, look at that. Hey, we did it. Thank you.